0: where my open can you tell me where he's gone he freed a lot of people but it seemed good that i am you know
1: i just looked around and is here's your host alex garrett
0: as I mentioned, it is Honest Abe Lincoln's birthday, and uh, as I mentioned, dishonesty is being exposed right under our noses. By the way, I did do a little indoor dining. I did toast to Letitia James, uh, Zach Williams, City and State. I know you listened to what I said earlier. I was, I made promise, you know, I came through my promise. I toasted Letitia James, and uh, well, let's start there, because... Uh, you've been talking about the governor. You've been covering this for city and state an awful lot. And uh, and you have some thoughts on Letitia James. So, so what's her role in all of this? And welcome back, by the way.
1: <laughs> Thanks for having me. It's good to be back. Uh, well, I think the state attorney general, Letitia James, uh, ought to get some credit for really bringing nursing home deaths back to the political forefront over the last two weeks. Uh, you might recall she released a report um, very scathing in late January on the governor's hand. Handling of nursing home deaths, basically said that they were withholding data as to the full extent of uh, just how many people died in nursing homes. Um, after that, we've seen um, the, start, the State Department of Health finally released out to the Empire State uh, uh, Center for Public Policy, uh, as well as the department finally responding to state lawmakers. And then today, this bombshell report that Secretary to the Governor, Melissa DeRosa, actually told state lawmakers at a meeting the other day that the administration had intentionally withheld this data um, as to the number of nursing home deaths because it was, um, it, it feared how the Trump administration um, back over the summer might have used it. So, um, you know, the, the shoes just continue to keep dropping for the governor and his handling of the pandemic. And uh, the attorney general uh, really, uh, you know, sparked something big when she released that report uh, just uh, two weeks ago. Is
0: this criminal prosecution? I mean, I, I said to you in a text, this is like Nixon-esque. This is a cover-up. But this time we are dealing with real lives here. So can't this be criminal? Isn't this some sort of criminal cover-up here that we're seeing uh, on right in front of our faces?
1: Well, the... the you know state state senate minority leader robert hort was asked uh, just this question at a press conference earlier today with us reporters and he noted that he likely was not a lawyer but that you know withholding data from a um uh, from the federal government during an investigation would seemingly beg the question of whether justice has been obstructed you might recall this is uh one of the same exact charges that president trump faced uh a million years ago when he was facing his first impeachment trial uh, in early 2020. And so that really seems like potentially the biggest source of legal liability for the Cuomo administration. You know, there was a federal uh, investigation beginning of nursing homes. The department of justice had asked for documents from the Cuomo administration. And it seems like they had nothing uh, especially forthcoming about just how easily uh, they could hand over that information But we're we're just going to have to wait and see. State lawmakers are promising more hearings. uh, So there could be additional revelations that might might suggest that um, other areas of potential criminal wrongdoing might be explored.
0: Well, one question I've been really eager to ask you all day long because you've been at these press conferences. That's kind of where we start our conversations. You, You were at these press conferences early on. And he was pushed about this whole directive to begin with, wasn't he? Almost every week, like, what are you doing with the nursing homes? And and what was his general body language, his general responses when, when these reporters would ask him about this very issue?
1: Well, the governor has been uh, always been very defensive about his handling of the pandemic. And that includes questions about uh, nursing homes that began pretty early on back in, in April and May. Um, You know, the State Department of Health issued a directive on March 24th, I believe, that basically required nursing homes to accept COVID-19 patients uh, as they got discharged from hospitals. The governor for months and months had said um, that, you know, that that doesn't mean that they were actually forced to. uh, You know, he would kind of um, twist himself into rhetorical contortions to try to make um, that directive make sense. And, you know, as as time and time went went by, their actions kind of spoke harder than their words. They eventually uh, rescinded that directive. Eventually, um, you know, he just said that any criticism of his handling of nursing homes was part of some sort of partisan attack. Us who follow him every day uh, know better. We've seen Democratic lawmakers as well as Republicans, you know, raise questions about his handling of nursing homes for months and months and months uh, all the way back to the spring. Um, but I think you know the recent coverage, the, the Attorney General report, um, these you know bombshell revelations of thousands and thousands of additional deaths in nursing homes than the administration previously admitted. Um, you know are going to get a lot more of the non-political uh, folk uh, noticing what the governor's been up to. You know he's he's he really you know skyrocketed in popularity <laughs> early on. You know remember President Cuomo uh, was trending on Twitter. Um you know, I'll, I'll be really interested to see how the next round of polling goes for the governor. Um, his numbers have fallen down significantly from the sky high, uh, you know, numbers he had earlier in the pandemic. But
0: Zach, uh, how does this not how does this not kill his 2024 chances, though, if they're because I feel like they were percolating on the, you know, below the surface and on the surface even.
1: Well, you know, you got got to keep in mind, A, the 2022 election is still a long ways away. We are seeing, like, Republicans, like Representative Tom Reed and at least Stefanik, start to kind of present themselves as potential candidates. But we still got a long ways to go. Keep in mind, the governor's already got, like, $15, $16 million. And he's got huge, um, you know, leverage over state lawmakers, over labor unions, over everybody. You know, um, this is a guy who's been in office for— three terms. Uh, he's weathered more than a few problems. You might remember the Moreland commission from years yeah, ago, yep. basically an ethics panel that he convened uh, to. I call that the less than the
0: commission together. actually.
1: <laughs> yeah. And then once it came too close to him uh, and some of his associates, he disbanded the commission, said it was his to, to convene and to disband. Um, and some that was really interesting, uh, you know, in late 2018 was this, was this uh, scandal with the joint commission of um, public ethics that's a state body that investigates ethical wrongdoing Cuomo uh, reportedly was basically caught uh, calling speaker Carl Hasty to tell one of his appointees to that board to go easy on his former aide Joe Prococo who you might recall was implicated in the Buffalo Billion scandal from years ago uh, that that was a basically a bid rigging scandal uh, for an economic development project uh, in western New York so long story short this guy's been through uh more than a few you know challenges over his political career but uh to answer your question you know there's nothing good about being associated with, with the deaths of elderly people, especially well, when you're a governor interested in getting reelected next year.
0: Zach, this is what the point I'm, uh, I I want to make as you were going through those things. Those were kind of boring topics for people in New York State. They didn't have time to deal with all that. Now you're talking about real lives, and I think that's a game changer right here, uh, where the, the corruption was under our noses, but now this, this is real lives. This is real families. I mean— uh, Joe Biden said there's nobody at the table, there's very few people at the table this year. And I think, unfortunately, I have to say, Cuomo's administration is responsible for that too. And, and people are noticing now.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I think a really good comparison is um, the two impeachment trials of Donald Trump. You know, I bet plenty of your listeners just now were like, what the what the hell is this guy, Zach, talking about? J. Cope, uh, Big Rigging, uh, New Orleans Commission, you know. People people got to read a lot, you know, about state politics and know about those things. But people get nursing home deaths. And I think that's something um, that the similar dynamics laid out with President Trump. You know, people got that the Capitol insurrection was, you know, beyond the norms of acceptable civil um, discourse to put it in nice diplomatic terms, but, you know, last year with the whole, um, Ukraine affair and everything, that was just very complicated. A lot of people just couldn't keep up, but people get the, you know, nursing home deaths and they get, uh, you know, insurrection. Um, so, you know, uh, I I think we're a long ways away from the state legislature seriously contemplating impeachment of the governor, but, you know, this scandal is not going away because people don't have to, you know, struggle much to understand just how bad this might be.
0: Uh, Zach, it's interesting you compare even the two of them, because if you remember, what was the same rhetoric both of them said? And people didn't really pick up on this, but Trump would say we have the least deaths of everybody. And then Cuomo would say we'd have the least deaths in the country. And it's just like they're both saying the same thing. It just and you, and they're criticizing each other, but they're the same uh, cut from the same cloth. It felt like a little bit.
1: Well, we got to be careful not to implicate all native Queens boys in this, <laughs> but uh, they they do exhibit uh, similar tendencies in a lot of ways. I, I think it's important not to draw false equivalency with the uh, former president's uh, uh, immense ability to lie about things. Uh, whether you, you love him or hate him, you always know he had issues, serious issues with the truth at times, prone to exaggeration. Uh, but Cuomo has had some of those same problems as well. He he likes to, to present himself as a great success, that he's always winning, and he's very, very defensive of criticism. Now, um, you know, Trump might uh, show himself in different ways, you know, with his tweeting over the years and everything else, but I think it is worth – you know, saying that the governor should not get a break just because he's less theatrical than... Or how about this, just because
0: president. he's a Democrat also, I, I would point that out or as it, well.
1: Or because he's he's a Democrat, and, you know, it's something else that's very similar between the two is, you know, we hear lots of stories from Washington about what Republicans say behind closed doors about about Trump, right? And, you know, in in Albany, you kind of got the reciprocal thing happening where... Republicans are able to say the things about Cuomo that I think some state legislators uh, across the aisle, the Democrats are thinking, you know, they they feel uh, that they were hoodwinked by the governor on nursing home deaths. You know, they didn't want to, you know, uh, attack him during the height of the pandemic because they wanted, you know, to to keep in mind that political unity was important or was a public health crisis. But you know, um, right now, I think it's kind of that big moment where, you know, state Democrats are either going to begin to, to stand up to the governor, demand a bigger role in the state response to the pandemic, or they're just going to continue to kind of convetch behind closed doors like we've seen the Republicans in Washington.
0: Well, Zach, I got to ask you about that. Um, am I wrong that the Democratic lawmakers actually started to also pipe up when the lockdowns just were not lifted for small businesses in their community? Didn't they find issue with that as well?
1: Well, you know, uh, state legislators like anybody else, uh, you know, are receptive to their popularity, especially when you when you need to be rehired every two years. And, you know, over the course of the summer when the numbers were going down, um, I think we saw a real conflict between good politics and good public health. Um, you know, in terms of good public health is we never really saw a good goal for the state response to the pandemic. Was a goal to eliminate COVID-19 deaths? Was it to um, keep the hospital system from being overrun? Was it to keep it at a, you know, a, a minimal level of deaths while allowing the economy to more or less reopen? We never really had a definitive um, definition of what the target was. And that kind of led to a lot of conflicts, you know, where state legislators had to start responding to constituents who say, you know, uh, we want to reopen our restaurants. We want to reopen our businesses. Um, The state has not said why we can't. And then kind of the Cuomo administration, which kind of has all the power in this per the emergency powers that the state legislature overwhelmingly approved last year. Hmm. And, you know, they, it's the governor, they're going to be defensive, you know, if, if you know, and that just draws all the productive conversations to behind the scenes, you know, it could be really hard to know what was going on. But I think one thing that we know for sure is that state lawmakers uh, were getting more and more nervous as the months went by with, um, you know, the continued uh, public health rules that the governor was pro prom- <laughs> was dictating, <laughs> if you will. I, I just couldn't pronounce that word for some reason. So uh, long story short, I think you're right. Yes state legislators um, have played a, a pretty key role in channeling a lot of that bottom-up um, that backlash to public health restrictions and kind of getting the governor to move on that to loosen things up.
0: We're going to about lawsuits in a second, but on this thought, uh, you said this is the time for state legislators to to act if they're going to act, and how can they do that? Can they strip away powers from him? What, what can they do now?
1: Well, You know, state state lawmakers got a few options here. Um, They do have subpoena power, so they could get Cuomo administration officials to testify. They could try to compel the release of additional documents, that sort of thing. They could hold hearings, which, you know, hearings uh, basically, you know, get media attention. They get the public to notice a little bit. They also just give you a general platform to kind of create a narrative uh, of how, of, of what exactly happens. So we got those, you know, there is impeachment. Um, like I said before, you know, we're really far away from that. Even the Republicans say, let's, let's have an investigation first and then consider options after it concludes. So that could mean this drags out for months and months.
0: But do you think um, they re- remove his executive powers? Is that in the works too? or?
1: Well, and they could vote to rescind the emergency powers. I, I think, you know, it's, it's, that issue is, can be very, overly simplified so let's go back to the beginning of the pandemic you know we have our first confirmed case of covid 19 uh, on march 1st on march 2nd or march 3rd i'm trying to remember exactly the state legislature approves a bill that gives 40 million dollars to uh to fund uh the, the state response to the pandemic and also gives the governor the the power to unilaterally suspend state laws Um, and do other things beyond the normal emergency powers he might have. And those were set scheduled to, to um, expire this April. So there's only two months left. So, you know, they could convene tomorrow the state legislature and repeal those powers, but you've got to keep in mind, they've had um, the power all along via a little provision in that bill they approved to overrule any, of the executive orders the governor issues during the pandemic by a simple majority vote. That's not subject to a gubernatorial veto.
0: I just I feel like they were really at home. I just feel like they were at home most of last year and let Cuomo run the ship. Is that about right?
1: <laughs> well, you know, that brings in another thing, you know, you repeal the emergency powers, then you got to step up and take some of the responsibility, right? Do state lawmakers want to quibble in public about the percentage capacity of indoor dining? That can be not only um, tricky to to work out among, you know, uh, you know, the um, 43 Democrats in the state Senate or the uh, hundred and five members that Democrats in the state assembly. It's also slow and it's also just not politically popular. You know, it's always easy to criticize when you're on the outside. It's much mm-hmm. harder to take responsibility. Uh, when when you have all the power. But as we're seeing with the governor, there's a big downside to having all the power, too, because when the shit hits the fan, everyone's going to blame you. And it was Cuomo himself who said if anyone has criticism, they should blame him. He yeah. uh, famously said that right at the beginning of the pandemic.
0: And here we go. Uh, yeah. Zach, the legal aspect of this, you know, there's legal – challenges to all these dining restrictions i mean new york city's hospitality alliance also did it um but i want to talk about the nursing home can families uh, do you see them starting to sue him for this negligence for this cover-up can there be some lawsuits coming our coming his way
1: Ooh, that's you know i haven't heard anybody talk specifically about anyone prospectively suing the governor. The, the the big issue with legal liability in this has actually been on nursing homes because there was a provision in um, the state budget that passed last year that actually gave legal liability to nursing homes. Um, you know, nobody really knew about it, the state budget. You know, it's thousands of pages. Um, it, you know, it's printed and people have to pass it within hours in the middle of the night. And state lawmakers did not know <laughs> exactly what they were doing uh when they voted on that and they later actually had to vote over the summer to roll it back a little bit but you know a lot of these nursing homes um you know have been shielded a lot more than they would have had the state lawmakers not passed that budget last year and efforts are underway to loosen up the um the liability protections for nursing homes but um i'm not quite sure how it would work retroactively you know, I also
0: know that, that nursing homes—they uh, were being fined two thousand dollars or something. Is that what's going on too?
1: You know, I mean, I, I think in terms of people want to hold the nursing homes responsible, you know, we're we're only at the end of the beginning because it's only this week with the release of this data per court order that from the Department of uh, Health that we really even know where and when people died in nursing homes or died in hospitals after leaving a nursing home. So, you, you know, we're all, we, it's really hard to know exactly who is going to end up as the big loser for a problem. We're only beginning to grasp.
0: Zach, you and I were hopeful when the, and I'm sure you were, when the USNS Hope came in, when they made all those beds at Jacob Javits. And it's just like, why aren't they? Why weren't they being used? It's it's the biggest mystery of all to me that these they had all these opportunities and Cuomo just decided to send them back to the nursing home. That would be the mystery to me.
1: Well, you, you know, Dr. Mary Bassett, uh the former commissioner of the New York City Department of Health, uh, who's now at Harvard, said something really interesting the other day to the Guardian of all places, um, following the you know there was a a, a release of a report that really threw a lot of blame on President Trump for failing to create a national strategy early on against the pandemic. And she pointed out, uh, Dr. Mary Bassett, the uh, ex-DOH commissioner here in the city, pointed out that there was a big societal failure, too. Um, And I think what she was getting at is that, you know, we as individual Americans were complacent. I'll admit it, you know, back in February, I wasn't thinking COVID-19, but in retrospect, we, we saw the problem was there. And, you know, and the thing could be said about political leaders here in the city and the state, Mayor de Blasio, uh, Governor Cuomo. I think it is important to remember that, you know, when the shit was hitting the fan, um, people were willing to give Cuomo a chance. He did pretty well. Um, But now a lot of people say, you know, if, if he would have just only been more willing to admit mistakes, you know, the nursing homes, um and a few other or give businesses a leeway too that was the other day and
0: and give businesses a leeway as well which is leading to my next point the the lawsuits that you covered in erie county and, and elsewhere were successful and so were new york city lawsuits to an extent but i don't think we saw as many lawsuits from down here as there's out there and that's kind of surprising i thought more new york city uh entities would sue him i just didn't see that did you
1: well, there was a lot of lawsuits <laughs> in this pandemic. Uh, so many, you know, it's hard to keep track of the mask lawsuits, indoor dining, uh, so many things. I, I think, you know, all in all, there were a few key issues um, that the courts had to decide. You know, there, there's more than a century of jurisprudence that gives governments the right to mandate certain public health measures, like vaccines, for instance, um, it, it, you know, for the greater good. Um But, you know, for in for um, some of this ran afoul of First Amendment protections. We saw, you know, uh, synagogues, the Catholic Church and others sue the state because they said, you know, if um, if people can gather for political protests, for instance, why are there restrictions on, you know, uh, indoor worship? And eventually the courts all the way up to the Supreme Court kind of agreed with with that logic that that um religious organizations and religious gatherings have been restricted in a way that didn't apply to other types of gatherings That's means 14th amendment equal protection clause yep. can't do it yep. and we have these first amendment issues i think with indoor dining a similar thing was at play because you know um in erie county and um monroe county where rochester is i believe you know the issue in one recent lawsuit over indoor dining was you know Again, like why, you know, a a matter of equal protection, you know, why can't we do X if other people can do X as well? And, you know, there was uh, an injunction, um, you know, issued against the state restrictions. And I think the recent actions of the governor show that, you know, they could sense that, you know, um, keeping indoor dining closed here in the city uh, was not just a political loser, but might, you know, end up going the other way uh, in the courts and nobody wants to lose in the courts because then it, it brings into question uh, your own power so but i think you know in terms of the legal issues you know first amendment issues were big in the pandemic and then these matters of equal protection is this fair because other people can do this can i do that in some cases the courts agreed with the with the state government because you know they said uh maybe going to a movie theater uh, this is hypothetical, but going to a movie theater is arguably more dangerous than going to uh, a baseball game, you know, it's indoors or something like that. So uh, lots of lawsuits, they all end in different ways, but generally the courts have upheld First Amendment and equal protection rights. When well, that's been uh, argued well.
0: That's really relieving to hear that the courts are doing their job and not bowing down to political pressure from Cuomo, which could happen if they're state courts. Anyway, um what is why does he feel like is, there's a chip on his shoulder when it comes to New York City? Why does it feel like he just hates the hell out of us? Does he wants to keep us locked down while opening everybody else? I, I just get that general feeling from him from Cuomo. Yeah, from Cuomo that he opens everybody else up but us because he has like this vengeance against De Blasio or even even New Yorkers well, I don't know. maybe
1: think maybe think of it this way if if Cuomo uh, hired your you're uh, the person you disrespect the most and who you think is most full of crap, you know, would you hate them a little bit? Well, that's what New York city did with de Blasio, right? For, you know, the, the history between those two men who once were friends is something out of Shakespeare, it seems. Um, but, you know, New York city is never going to never going to do well, uh, at least as far as uh, dealings with Cuomo go while de Blasio's in office, because we've just seen time and time again, how there's just something about the mayor that gets under the governor's skin uh, so much that he just loves to put him in his place.
0: And uh, De Blasio's fighting back. He's like, we got to go know these numbers better. Uh, Governor Cuomo. He's, he's not, he's not taking this line down. And I'm really uh, impressed with that, with De Blasio, by the way. Uh, and, well, the and,
1: tall man, big reach, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, I got it. Well, I got a story there. So I've known him a couple times. To- I've seen him a lot. And, uh, the first time I saw him, I'm about 4'11", and there was this you know, guy hovering over me, and I was like, who is this six-foot-something giant? It was de Blasio. And, uh, and we became friends over the years, so I'm glad he's finally setting up the governor um, uh, right now. And by the way, don't even get me started about all these teams kissing the ring of Cuomo, thanking him. It's like, stop thanking him for doing his job. <laughs>
1: You know, uh, Cuomo does best when he kind of keeps his nose to the grindstone. You might say, um, you know, people generally over the street turns in office like that he's a hands on kind of guy who works deep into the night. But, uh, you know, that's worked against him with nursing homes. That's for sure. I bet if he could do it all again, uh, he might have listened to others a little bit more.
0: And all the while, everybody was worried about the boyfriend. Isn't that funny? Like, all this stuff was happening, and all we could hear about was the boyfriend every single day. It was like, poke your well, eye out after hearing it.
1: We better, we better put out a, I don't know, it's not an Amber alert, but some type of alert. We haven't heard anything about this guy. What happened to him? And is that is that state trooper off of highway therapy after dating CloMos daughter? These are the answers we, we need to get.
0: Zach, I don't, I, I've never asked this because we do some, you know, in-depth conversation but what's one thing that people who, who follow your writing at City and State and, and your friends don't know about you because you're letting your hair down here and I love it but, but but what is one thing nobody knows about Zach Williams that you want to say right now uh, while well, I got you
1: it's a Friday what? well you know what I, I think I thought of something you're putting a lot of pressure on me but I just moved to Albany I'm going to do a six month stint a deployment I'm calling it and uh, something about me is how I am mixing my my acquired New York City snobbishness (laughs) and completely ignoring my small-town roots because I come here, Albany's a city of 90,000 people, but I keep treating it like it's, you know, out in the the Ozarks or something. I I better wise up because I'm from a small town, so 90,000 people should still kind of amaze me, even if I'm a little bit older now. Uh, Where Um, are you from originally? Small-town guy. I'm from a little town in Northern California called Weaverville, uh, kind of by Humboldt County. Lots of loggers, lots of weed growers, uh, a few other folks as well.
0: And then, well, where did you live in the city when you were living downstate?
1: Well, I lived in Brooklyn. Uh, I first moved there in 2012. Uh, So I don't know if I, I had become a real New Yorker, but at least got, I think, my purple belt after five, six years. And uh, you know, learned a lot. It was a real formative experience in my career.
0: I'm um, sure. And I guess was was City and State your first job? I don't, I don't even know your backstory because I never asked. You. <laughs>
1: I'm I'm a man of many lives. Uh, City and State was my first staff job after uh, I graduated from the CUNY Graduate School of Journalism. But I had a career in local news before that. Wrote for a lot of the local weeklies. Uh, you know, the Villager, Downtown Express, Chelsea Now, the Brooklyn Paper, uh, and a few others. And before that, uh, you know, spent some years abroad as well in China and a few other places teaching English and uh, speaking adventure.
0: But I'm sure nothing, I mean, these sound very adventurous, but I'm sure it's not uh, anything compared to what we're dealing with now almost every day since last March.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, it's been a hell of a year, half, year and a half now. Um, you know, I just... I just think back to New Year's Eve 2019 uh, where, you know, I knew it was going to be another big year in state politics. There was plenty of going on. Um, But, uh, you know, later that night, uh, the then state assembly minority leader, Brian Cole, drove drunkenly drove (laughs) his car allegedly into a ditch and state politics has never been the same ever since, you know, pandemic began a few weeks after that. And uh, it's just been kind of, you know, a full-on sprint in terms of reporting the facts uh, ever since.
0: Well, thanks for doing an amazing job every every time at City and State. And you're at Zach Reports, Z-A-C-H Reports on Twitter. We can find out uh, more of your work there, right?
1: Yep, social media collusion is always welcome.
0: There you go. I call it cross-promotion, you know? Uh, <laughs> Zach Williams, thanks for uh, spending this Friday with us. It's crazy. I feel like a Friday is like a Monday these days, but here we are. So enjoy your weekend and uh, and stay on the beat as best you can, and we'll, we'll be watching you.
1: Sounds great. Uh, you take care.
0: I'm Alex Garrett, and uh, we will talk to you soon.